Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, Albie. You're looking at taking a live look at Twitter? I am. I am. Tell me what you say. Um, the drag show? The Shrek and Taylor Swift drag show? Correct. Great. Great. Big night for Taylor Swift last night. It was a big night. But the point is this. Is that <laughs> a friend of mine said uh, that uh, they had somebody who was cajoled into going to a bachelorette party at the Shrek drag show. Ah. At uh, Jaffer White's Summer Shack, a great restaurant. There's two of them, one in Boston, one in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, it'll be interesting though to see what happens because we missed the Shrek drag show. It was over this weekend. It'll be interesting to see what happens at the Shrek drag show um, at the Summer Shack. I'm not surprised that Summer Shack has drag shows, but and I looked at the ticket, then the ticket and said it said it said um, must be 21 years old to eat at the bar. I mean, sorry, to sit at the bar. So I thought, that's interesting. I guess you don't have to be 21 to sit anywhere else. So I started watching some drag shows. I couldn't find the Shrek one. Nobody's posted that yet. And for the most part, these drag shows are mostly like women of all like 20s through 60s drinking mimosas, getting buzzed. And these dudes, these drag, talentless drag people bopping around, hitting them in the head with their boobs, etc., which is fine. I could even, like, if you want to ply me with booze and watch ridiculous guys doing that thing, um, doing it, whatever. I have been to drag shows. I've been to everything weird, you know, in my <laughs> life. I could par- make a party out of anything, you know. If, right. you, if, they, if they're if most they're Bloody Marys or whatever, bring it on, you know. Um, but, but. I thought, let me have a look just to just see if there are any kids here. And for the most part, there weren't too many kids at these drag shows, but there were some. And um, I think I it s- takes a certain type of parent. It's yeah. one thing if it's drag queen story hour for kids at the library. I mean, like there's a bunch of parents lining up for that. It, also strange. Right. But that's like in theory geared towards kids. But I think it takes a certain type of person 
to go out of your way to take your kids to drag events at like restaurants. Right. And so, so this one, um, the one I found, so I found uh, Gaga and Taylor Swift and one other, like a Grease, um, the movie Grease, mm-hmm. um, had kids at them. And- the one that you sent me, the Taylor Swift one, mm-hmm. blew me away just because, and I don't know why I'm still surprised by this, because this is every time you see one of these. This is, by the way, oh yeah, I just tweeted this out. So this is on our Twitter. Check out my Twitter. You'll see it right there. I'm mostly surprised by how talentless the people are. Oh, totally. By oh. how like bad the performance is. Yeah. Like, they're just really not, these are not talented people. This is like, yes. they're not, there's barely an attempt to lip sync. There's yeah. like wandering around and sort of gyrating, but not like real dancing. It's so no, mo- and many unimpressive. Of them are, are awful singers. There was only one act that I saw that, and I walked, I watched like an hour and a half of this today and it interrupted my walk. It was, I watched a lot of drag today and I'm good for a while. Um, there was one that was kind of like taken off on the Golden Girls where they seem to have kind of some bits and things like that. But other than that, it is, um, yeah, they are talentless. And the one where, like, one of the ones with Taylor Swift, there's three of them that show three different drag pe- queens um, playing with this little girl who's tipping them money as they're walking around getting cash. Um, so bizarre. Yeah, and one one lifts the girl up, and I'm sure the, the girl, this three-year-old, whatever it was, probably thought that, you know, Taylor Swift was lifting her up or like Minnie Mouse. But the problem is, is that... This well, I mean, is... right. I've taken our kids to like, there's lots of Disney princess events. I mean, sure. Elsa always used to be the one that was in demand where mm-hmm. you can hire, typically it's young women yes. who show up at like kids' birthday parties dressed like Belle or like Elsa or whoever, right? And they'll sing the songs and do an activity with them. Right. And I, I mean, like, I actually know people that have done this as work because... um our daughter does some theater programs and there's people involved in that who like acting and singing who who do that as a side gig and make awesome money doing it if they're good at it. Um, you know, they'll go like be Ariel for a kid's princess party. Those people are a thousand times more talented than this and a lot more convincing as the princess to the child. But for a kid, I mean, like, I don't know how much they're clocking the difference necessarily, but I assume they notice something's a little off with princess bell right and and i would also assume and i haven't really i haven't done any deep dives on who these drag queens are i would also assume that these are these men handling this child are men who have made and make in their lives bad choices dangerous choices and toxic choices and quite frankly i just wouldn't want that crap around my kid whatsoever it's, it's a sexualized performance taylor swift the taylor swift stuff is much more tame than it could be certainly Believe me, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, but but it's still it's still red flaggy and weird. Well, here's the and thing, what the and parents? like here's the thing, and and this is why it's always sort of, you know, people go for like, well, why can't if, you know, a 21 year old girl can dress up as a princess and read to little kids at a princess party, then how come this like 46 year old fat man can't do it, right? And the answer is, of course, that they're completely different and everybody knows that they're completely different. It's bad enough when you have places like Fenway that legitimately allow creepy drag queens but, like, don't allow women to dress, you know, attractive or sexy at them, right? Where they, like, actually kick women out who who would dress like the drag queens but when the drag queens do it, it's fine. You know, that's bad enough. But the truth is that they shouldn't even have the same standard. Because obviously, if you, Tom Shattuck, 
dress up as, say, the, you know, the St. Pauli girl, it's a totally different animal than if I'm dressed up as a St. Pauli girl. Yes. It's a different thing. And it's immediately a sexualized performance because you are doing weird gender role things. Well, well, right. It's not, it's, there's no like equality of the identities here. It's not like, oh, Taylor Swift wears a one piece bodysuit and dances on stage and you let your daughter watch that. So you have to let this 50 year old obese man dress in a one piece girl's sparkly bodysuit and do the same thing in front of your kid. It's not the same thing. You don't have to have equality between what you let the creepy old man do and what you let the, you know, cute pop star do. That's right. You don't have to have equality between the things. There's no comparison between the two because one is normal and healthy and positive and the other one is twisted and dark and perverse. Like they just are. There's no... It's not like you don't have to treat the two things the same. And I think sometimes people fall into this trap where it's like, oh, I'm, I mean, I think that stuff goes too far even with women sometimes. Like, I thought the JLo and Shakira Super Bowl performance was out of line for a family programming. Like, you know, I, mean, I think anytime you're introducing like stripper poles, it's like too much for me. But I, mm-hmm. but it's fundamentally a different thing when you have an attractive woman doing something and when you have a man who's not an attractive woman dressed up or, as an attractive well, woman and doing then the, the the process of giving your four-year-old a dollar bill to hand to the drag queen is like what is that what psychologically is happening with the parents that makes that cool and kosher and okay like what do you like i get i sometimes hand my kids stuff to tip people with so they'll know how to do it so they get into it and they'll know how to you know Give mm-hmm. the guy an extra dollar. This that was that service, so, so they'll know how to pass cash, etc. But look, that's that's different. That's These a- people want their kids to know how to uh, tip the drag strippers at the drag shows that they're going to be going to in their lives. You're it- indoctrinating children <clears throat> into a specific subculture, and specifically like the seedy underbelly of that subculture. Right. It- You're it- introducing them to a world that you want them to participate <clears throat> in, and like that's just frankly what it comes down to is you think they're going to have call to know that you know that you tip the strippers and the drag queens so now okay okay so so that's up there can i move on here yes unless you have more to say on this i want to go i have a theory i was reading today and i was listening to i was listening to the commentary podcast and uh it's funny now i'm getting phone calls now from from um from callers who are holding me to account for what John Podhoritz tweets. Oh, because you like John Podhoritz? Yes, and he's calling everybody an anti-Semite, so I now have to defend him. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, but so the, the Biden polling is so bad, and the commentary guys were talking about the polling, and with the exception of the possible bright light for the left of abortion, it's like, it's abysmal, historically abysmal. Right, and so I'm wondering, like, what is it? I we talked yesterday about him doing everything he could to give every constituency, including allies, the finger. You know, of course, every, everything, and it's been so all the gaslighting, all the he's somehow managed to get on the wrong side of both sides of the Israel conflict. Well, you're right, and also just the cynicism with the border stuff and tying, and, and Republicans suck too, but, but tying, tying the Ukraine funding and. And you know Schumer's coming out today and saying if you don't, if they don't pass this bill, then we're going to find ourselves in Europe fighting a hot war. 
and like all this just just this cynical just vile uh, rhetoric etc so i'm thinking like what that's all this stuff compounds but there's another part to it there's another part to it and i usually attribute this with women uh, and it's it's exemplified with something that you had said to me and something that uh, as a guy i have experienced firsthand many times mm-hmm. um you called it um getting the ick getting the ick and you were talking about a, it's a, a an young ex- people's slang term yeah right it, 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 but it's a great term like so you you said i got the ick from an ex that you had but somebody mm-hmm. previous to me who had said or done something or acted in such a way that you could no longer think of him as a viable romantic sexual yeah just permanent potential turn off. partner yeah. ever it, it was he it was out of business all the like arousal lights and interest lights in you boom were shut off when this guy was on scene having been a a lifelong jackass myself i have had that effect on many women i could i could see it in my teens and 20s happening in real time <laughs> where are you i was no longer really considered a viable sexual entity like even if everybody else in the bar leaves or is dead like no <laughs> they're not going to be with you right it's just not and there's something where you're so utterly just totally turned off permanently yeah and somebody's just not viable and i think that 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 biden has that and not in a sexual way but i think for a lot he's of people he's got the political ick yeah he's got the political ick and that you know and i think like for, as far as women looking at biden i think that they say i'm going to need somebody who can protect me in my neighborhood from baddies and they look at him and they watch him stammer around and they watch him sniff hair and they watch him i pass the taxes updated <laughs> and they watch him lick his effing ice cream and they say that's not a man who can protect me or in my kids and mm-hmm. they know they see all the crime around and they know they saw the cops getting beaten. They see what's happening. They at the see border. their school or their local rec center with migrants living in it. Yeah, and they see this, and they say, "That's not a real man. He's not." Mm-hmm. Like, and, and almost, and I don't, and I mean, like, like it doesn't have the. I could even say testosterone or whatever it is that makes you have an aura of protection. And I think that some of these people are saying, "Look over Trump," and they say, "He's disgusting." And if there were five million people, he'd be the last person I would ever be with sexually in our world here, we'll say politically. But in a real jam, if we're out of other men, I at least know that he's functioning as a sentient man with who can do the man stuff. Yeah. I think that that people are, are looking at that and saying, well, okay, it ain't great. <laughs> he's vile he's rapey he speaks like a jerk but i know that he knows his place in the world right and that generally his job is to be the alpha and protector and preserver and keep safer guy that's his thing mm-hmm. and i think that for a lot of uh for women and he's still winning with women but but not he's lost support obviously I think that they're seeing this guy and saying, uh, no, we need some protection here. People in nice neighborhoods, even people who live in blue places, are saying there's no protection anywhere. People in Glastonbury, Connecticut, and people in 
Well, Dover, Massachusetts, have to worry about you know cars getting stolen, cat converters getting stolen. Well, part of me wonders, like I wasn't alive then, but I do wonder if that's like a little bit like what Reagan nineteen eighty was like, because the Carter administration just went so horrifically wrong in every possible way. I think that's a perfect, perfect analogy. Like were people just like uh, you know, I don't know about this actor guy because I don't. I've heard people say that people would say a lot of the same stuff about Reagan like they did about Trump. Like, he's not serious. He's just an well, yes. entertainment guy. He's not really, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. Carter wore a lot of contemporary fashion mm-hmm. stuff, tan and baby blue leisure suit kind of things for the right. time. It was very, Reagan was right out of 1945 Hollywood with mm-hmm. the Reagan slicked back hair. You know, he was Gary Cooper. He was, but that was a time, and you're right about that. That was a time before men found, Carter once said, a famous Playboy interview that he admitted that he's had impure thoughts. It's like you pussy. <laughs> like, yeah, you're yeah supposedly a man. And Carter was very milk toast, and obviously he was reticent to do anything for a different reason. I think Biden's reticent to do anything on the world stage because he's he can't hide. When he was a senator, he could hide. Now he's the guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's absolutely true. You see that, and you say he's not a. He doesn't have the fundamental thing you would need to 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 make give people that safe feeling. And I think that also like men have it with Trump too. Definitely. You know. Oh yeah, I think the men got it with Trump like you mean like don't like Biden? Well, I think or... that I think that some of them gave Biden a shot and now are saying, "Oh, I see." Yeah, this guy just doesn't actually know what he's doing doesn't know what he's doing well, yeah, he I believes think men... in all this fairy magic stuff that you know that i've got to deal with they look around they look at admiral rachel levine and they say you guys serious about this um there well, was, I a, think there was somebody who i saw to it first really there's a guy who wrote an op-ed about voting for trump in the wall street journal and he was on a podcast too he's got a great op-ed and he talked about his friend in the national guard who says that his weekends now for training in the national guard are mostly dei stuff huh and I think, like, guys look at that and say, no, 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 no. You don't let that happen. If Biden's a man, he doesn't let the army be LGBTQI and fatties run around and do DEI. And I think men say this is a horse bleep. You know, they can disagree with Trump on a thousand things, but, I mean, there's nobody guarding the gate. And I think they think that Trump would have. And I think Trump would have, even for his own ego. Oh, right. Just because he wants to be able to say he was the best president ever. Yes. Best president ever. does all this stuff. I mean, to his detriment sometimes. I mean, like, I think that's why he listened to, like, some of these Fauci people and stuff is because he thought, like, I have to handle the pandemic the best ever and do the best job on it and, you know, listen to the wrong people there for a while. But I think that, you know, Trump, Trump doesn't like bad headlines about himself. No, no. Trump would not be looking at the border crisis as it's happening right now and just going with the flow. Hell no. Of course, <laughs> he'd be doing something, getting sued for it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like they said this to, uh, what's his name? Um, 
to Johnson on the morning show, on the Sunday shows this week, they said, you know, like, oh, well, if Biden took executive action, then like it'll be challenged in the Supreme Court. Yeah, so let it be challenged. So do something and let it be challenged. That's what he wasn't afraid to do that with the eviction moratorium that he knew was unconstitutional. He wasn't afraid to do that with student loans that he knew was unconstitutional. He just doesn't want to do it for the the border because that'll piss some of his allies off. Oh, no. Oh, no, what? Oh, no, what? The skiing article is off of NPR that I was going to go to next. Wait, it's gone? It's off of NPR. Can you look at it on the archive? Let, let me see. Um, let me see if I can find it. Try that remove paywall site and put it in there because that pulls it from an archived version. So you might be able to get it that way. Ooh, that's smart. Okay, WBUR. Okay, let me see if this... Okay, okay, I get it. Okay, this is a, a woman named Marty Fuller for, like, Ski Magazine mm-hmm. wrote a um, an article about... about... Um, about um, skiing. Okay. She oh, wait, wrote- this is making hiking more inclusive. Maybe did they get... Did they scrub everything because it got famous? Did you p- try to put the link into the Remove Paywall website like I okay, suggested here we go. to you? Here's Marty F- Fuller saying it's time to sc- stop glorifying the ski bum lifestyle. This is All Things Considered on NHPR. I'm Julia Furukawa. You NPR may have is this heard already? of the ski bum, someone who forgoes a traditional lifestyle to spend more time on the slopes. But with rising costs in just about everything, and as New England winters are warming, skiers say it's becoming harder to live the ski bum life. New England outdoor enthusiast Marty Fuller believes it's time to let the idea of the ski bum go. Fuller is an advocate for racial equity in accessing the outdoors. In a recent opinion piece for... That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Advocate for racial equity in, in accessing the outdoors. Right. As if the whites have been keeping the black and brown people... Out of the mountains and out... Nope, no, this is a white-only activity. I'm sorry. In Peace for Ski Magazine, she wrote about why celebrating the ski bum archetype actually makes skiing less diverse. Already, can you imagine being around these people? Right. Between, like, having brunch with a drag queen who grabs your kid and now talking about Marty Fuller's effing problem with the skiing being less diverse. The ski bum, at least in its archetypal form is uh, someone who prioritizes skiing above all else and has the the luxury of saying, you know, skiing is what I want to do most in the world and I'm going to organize my life so that that's possible. And I'm just going to kind of skate by and ski as much as I can. So, so far, the ski bum seems like a guy who wants to be left to hell alone. Right. Wants the snow, bindings, whatever those are, um, skis, poles, uh, maybe a little helmet, in a, a trail pass and wants to be left alone. But so, but the ski bum's done something wrong. Unbeknownst to him. What are some of the reasons why this ski bum lifestyle isn't accessible to everyone? Skiing certainly takes commitment of money and time to get to the mountain and to um, afford the gear, pay for the gear. There are so many people who are passionate about skiing that don't have access to uh, the ski bum lifestyle, like the you know, families in fact. or folks, with- <laughs> we lack access to this, any kind of skiing lifestyle. In fact, well, but we're also not <laughs> passionate about it. But I, <laughs> right. I think that most people who are passionate about skiing find a way to make exactly, time for it. exactly, or folks with 
health conditions that preclude them, you know, living on such a low income and not having health insurance. You argued, what an effing bank shot world these people live in. <laughs> I know, but that, I mean, like, isn't hasn't skiing always been sort of an expensive, exclusive activity? Well, yeah, because it takes place in a mountain, and, and you need like equipment. You got you got to rent equipment or have equipment. That's right. Right. If you're going you to get into to skiing, travel to the mountain and all the, all the other pieces of the puzzle. Right. And all of these things are cost the same for everybody, I believe, unless Marty Fuller has her way. Ah, uh, but that's not equity. No. In your piece for Ski Magazine, that the ski bum lifestyle is out of reach. If not, by the way, only a freaking DEI activist would work for Ski Magazine and slam avid skiers. Right. <laughs> as being privileged um, recipients of racial su- uh, white supremacy uh, skiing advantage. Like, what an a-hole. These things like ruin every institution. Even Ski Magazine, which we'll mm-hmm. never talk about again. It's not dangerous for black people, BIPOC people. Harmful when it comes to encouraging diversity in skiing. Can you tell me more about that? When I am... Um... I'm listening to the description of a ski bum archetype and the way that it's kind of glorified and held up as a North Star and pinnacle of skiing. North Star. That, that's when you know it's coming. That's when you, go, you know you got a live one here. Skiing. Immediately, I start thinking, gosh, well, that's just for a subset of people. Because for me as a black woman, it's not attractive to me and it's not feasible. We know- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Know that black people face. It's not attractive and it's not feasible, she says. Now, there's a picture of her in this article up skiing. Mm-hmm. So it's feasible when she wants it to be feasible. Morgan and Tommy in the chat are saying that ski bums generally like work at the ski place. Right. Like, like doing a, the ski lift. Our friend then- Stokey, he used to be a ski bum in his 20s after right. college. He worked for the ski place, kind of doing ski patrol stuff and getting drunk. And- in order to get to ski. Exactly. Over are black people allowed to do that? Oh no, no! You're about to see how this is. <laughs> how are, are black no, no, people you're, allowed you're... to work for the ski place, or do the? Because pretty sure it's illegal to discriminate that way in hiring. You just you just stepped on something very important. Okay, you, you, there's a serious law enforcement part of this. The ski bum lifestyle is out of reach. It's not dangerous for black people, BIPOC people. Harmful when it comes to encouraging diversity go. in skiing. Listen to this. Can you tell me more about that? When I am. Um, I'm listening to the description of a ski bum archetype and the way that it's kind of glorified and held up as a North Star and pinnacle of skiing. Immediately, I start thinking, 
gosh, well, that's just for a subset of people because for me as a black woman, this is it's not attractive life or to death. me. Listen to this. And it's not feasible. We know that black people face over-policing and there are aspects of the ski bum lifestyle that involve some casual rule bending, sometimes rule breaking, that a white person is much more likely to be able to get away with than a black person. You know, if a black person ducks a rope at a resort or skips onto a lift line, um, they might be penalized a lot more heavily. If a black person uh, goes out of bounds or doesn't behave himself on the ski lift, the cop snow patrol is going to pull up and have him on the ground tased and dead in, in 10 minutes. Mm. This is absolute out of nothing <laughs> horse bleep. Well... You haven't heard she, about the she, epidemic of black people being shot by police at ski resorts, honey? Apparently they are. And she said, <laughs> I mean, she said it's, it's, by, it's by, by nature, it's a rule-breaking thing where you might Morgan have... Morgan does say they smoke weed. Of course. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rule-breaking thing where you might have to go through a rope line or do something like... it. In black people, they do whatever... They, first of all, is that even a thing that you cut in line and that's a, like ski bump, ski bump culture? That, that happens? And second of all, how about we don't break the rules by the way and third of all there's no cops there's three cops in the entire state of vermont morgan probably knows them it's like give me a freaking break so so black people can't ski because they're gonna get killed by cops yes this lady works for <laughs> ski magazine can you imagine the freaking hire this is why sports illustrated went out of business because everybody wanted about race problems you've got this mo- idiot <laughs> talking about black people can you imagine being editor at ski magazine barely holding on Saying, are you really going after our core readership? People who actually buy this piece of crap that we publish and calling them and calling all the resorts that want to advertise with us racist? Heavily, they, they might be arrested. My critique really applies to. They might be. Tell all the ski resorts, you know what? You guys are so exclusive. If a black person showed up, you might just kill him. <laughs> right. It's like white women's tears. Yeah. Could be could be arrested. Could be arrested. Any of these downwardly social mober personas like hiker trash or climbing dirtbag. There's all of these kind of... Hiker trash and climbing dirtbag. All of these things that are super, super niche things. I don't <laughs> know what any of these like. Climbing <laughs> dirtbag, hiker trash. But all I know is that they're very dangerous for black people. Yet again, another space that's unsafe for black people. Of motifs that are just much easier for a white person, given their social capital, to decide to take on. As you wrote in your article, the death of the ski... You know what's, who skiing isn't nice to? Anybody? Fat people. Oh. Well, she did mention the disabled people. Right. Well, Which, yeah. that fat, it kind of falls in that category. When you're over 300 pounds and you go down with your skiing, getting up on skis when you've crashed is hard enough at when you're not fat when you're fat it's very mean it's very bad i want a special accommodation death of the ski bum seems to somewhat be upon us whether we like it or not and so maybe it's time for some other ski icons to take its place who or what do you have in mind here we go so i don't wish that the ski bum would disappear <laughs> i just simply wish that the ski bum would um marty you were asked to submit ideas by the interviewer. Rather than be a source for just destruction and dismantling things, 
We want you to mantle a thing. Let's go. And would no longer be at the center of the iconography that we laud and glorify when we think about, you know, what is skiing and who exemplifies skiing. And so that may be people of color like me, that may be professional athletes that don't get featured um, as much as the talented white men do. So women and other women of color. Maybe it's queer folks. Maybe it's folks who have disabilities and are, you know, skiing with all sorts. This is why Victoria's Secret had people in wheelchairs and 400-pound people and men in their catalogs, and um, it's not good news for them. This is why. We need more representation, not just a stupid white ski bum climbing dirt bags. We need fat-bodied, disabled, queer, trans folks to be at the center of the skiing experience. <laughs> sorts of... Um, various accommodations. Maybe it's parents focusing on teaching their kids. I would love to see us... Focus on teaching their kids what? To ski or to not ski? Because I know she doesn't want my kids skiing because they're all bad whiteies. And so so that's that's no good. So the, Right. But it's also just, I mean, like, the people are skiing who are skiing. Mm. Right. Like you can only center experiences so much. Like, do you remember when we went visited the White House and we put up pictures of our the Secret Service holding one of our kids? Yes. And somebody on Twitter was like, this would be a lot better if it was like a black or a brown person. I was like, well, sorry, I didn't have one with me like to give to the Secret Service. My children are white. Like, are there any black officers, please? (laughs) I mean, like, ma'am, or unless are you a lesbian? (laughs) <laughs> or or trans. If you're not of something interesting, could you please get somebody with something interesting? See us tell stories and narratives about all sorts of people who love sliding down snow on planks and boards. Marty Fuller is an outdoor enthusiast and advocate for racial equity in the outdoors here in New England. I'm Julia Furukawa. <sighs> Just think, there were 18 producers involved in that interview. I know. Taxpayer-funded producers. Freaking unbelievable. These DEI people effing suck. They destroy everything. They suck. And they're bores. Freaking bores. Oh, God. Oh, and that, and that has driven me towards the ski crowd when I don't love them either. Freaking, oh, God. Although the skiers have also turned into snowboarders. And those are, they are a big weed, weed set. I have, I'm no longer at war with the snowboarders. Those days are over. Those days are over. They won. Uh, okay, I want to get to also this, wait, or should I? We should check. We have about, um, hmm. what, like 12 minutes left? How much is on the chat chat? Do you know? Four chat 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 messages, Allison. Okay, because I just want to make sure we have enough time to get to those. Um. Okay, then let me quickly, I forget about the WAPO article. The new work-life balance, don't have kids. This is um, Sarah Green columnist in Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1992, Wharton professor Stephen Friedman, having become a father a few years earlier, asked graduating MBA students if they, too, were planning to become parents. Yes, said 78% of the class. 20 years later, he put the same question to a class in 2012 and was shocked to find out the number had plunged to 42%. The reason? Millennials were deeply invested in having successful, meaningful careers, and they just didn't see how they could juggle those jobs and the demands of parenthood. I've seen polling like that, too. About young people, like, saying that the most important thing to your happiness is having a career that you love. And I just, like, do not understand that. 
Right. I just don't. And then I don't understand why. I mean, I guess I do understand why they're all then on TikTok saying like, I can't believe this nine to five grind, man. It sucks. Like, it's terrible. Because they've been somehow indoctrinated to think that you're supposed to find happiness and joy from clocking into an office every day. And like, then they, it turns out that it's super unfulfilling and annoying and like you have to find meaning from your relationships with other people like and and that friendships are by nature you know they change and develop over time and people move away you don't stay in touch with a lot of college and high school friends unless you stay in the area you know like it just your friendships tend to drift apart the people that you have long and meaningful relationships with are most often your family like oh totally to not have people like that around you because you've chosen to be a childless millennial forever is you know it turns out kind of unfulfilling i wanted to raise one more thing too this article uh in the in the category of young people um thinking that they invented things Mm -hmm. and giving it its own new name when they um when it's something that has existed before them um there's a new trend among uh gen zers Uh, where and particularly gen z women where they uh it's called this year's hottest mental health craze it's called going boy sober where they don't sleep with people um yeah okay a flock of mostly 20 somethings gathered on a tuesday night in a chapel like building in brooklyn to hear about a subject that has been a hot topic in religious spaces for centuries celibacy except no one was using that term they were calling it boy sober i hate the word celibacy said the host of the event hope woodward a comedian and storyteller who grew up in the church of christ in rural tennessee so she doesn't want to give the church people any credit for having been right that she shouldn't sleep around with a bunch of dudes and that that would not bring her happiness in the category of things that past generations knew would make you unfulfilled and unhappy and nobody wants to give them credit for it. So they have to invent a new term and pretend like they invented something new. This isn't celibacy. That's mean and patriarchal and sexist. Ms. Woodward, who lives in Brooklyn, described herself as sex positive and sometimes wears a button that says I heart female orgasms to prove it. But after taking inventory of her dating life in October and realizing she'd been in a relationship of some kind since kindergarten, she decided to take a year away from sex and dating. With nearly a half a million followers across TikTok and Instagram, Ms. Woodward 27 started using the term boy sober at the start of her journey. Now she's describing the experience in a monthly storytelling and comedy show. Sounds like an awesome comedy show Ugh. called Boy Sober at Purgatory, an entertainment venue in Brooklyn's Bushwick neighborhood that was once an administrative building of the Evergreen Cemetery. At the first sold out show, she appro- approximately 100 attendees filled the seats and crowded the small stage. Um, Ms. Woodward explained boy sober is an all-encompassing term, meaning abstaining from romantic relationships with people of any gender. The audience of mostly women and non-binary people often burst into knowing laughter as the comedian told stories about inconsiderate partners who left pubic hairs on the toilet seat, offered an unrefrigerated cheese stick from their back pocket, and invited a different woman to a Halloween party they had planned on going to together. Uh, da, da, da. It goes on. But okay, we have ultimately come up with the boy sober rules. Now, how did I come up with these rules? I went to dinner with my friend Julia. We started talking about it in the Uber on the way to a bar for my friend's birthday. And then at the bar, I asked the ladies around me, I said, what do we think about these rules? Da, da, da. So I did have a few people help. I had a bit of a focus group. Okay, so these are the 2024 boy sober rules. Kinda no hot. dating apps. 
no dates, no exes, no situationships. And let me just say, my whole life, my whole life I've been saying, oh, I'm, I'm single, I'm single, I'm single. No, I've never been single. I've always had a situationship. You're not single if someone is taking up your brain space, okay? So no situationships, no XOXOXO. And if I have to explain to you what that means, you know exactly what I mean, no XO. No hugs and kisses extended. No hugs and kisses, etc. This is a woman who answers it to a booty call uh, fairly often. It always will. <laughs> I just, but, I know the type. Sorry. But don't you think it's interesting that they're like, wow, this lifestyle is really wrecking my mental health. I need like to follow this new mental health craze that I've invented called not screwing everybody who texts me late at night. Like, weird how that happened. No, no, no. This isn't celibacy like my terrible family did in Tennessee. So we don't have to be hyper slutty? <laughs> it's the latest mental health craze. Yeah. I, yeah. <sighs> she doesn't have... Um, I'm just guessing, but this was all my speculation. Just looking at her and her body language and my familiarity with um, with pathetic women, she doesn't have the ick for as many people she should. Tommy have. in New Hampshire is asking about the other girl, your 22 guys girl. Oh my goodness, dude! Thank you, Tommy. Oh, her we like the 22 guys girl. Steve Ramirez says he's been girl sober before, but not by choice. Yeah, yeah, we've all been there, man. Please. Um. Yes, yes. I've been girl circles because the girls have the ick thing when it came to me, unfortunately. Like, we'd rather just n not ever be with you. Where's my girl? Where's my girl? Where's, where's my girl? Come on. Oh, here she is. My boyfriend and I've been traveling for... I left my boyfriend and I've been traveling for 10 days and I've slept with 22 people in that 10 days. My goal was 20 and I just hit 22 this morning. It's 1 p.m. now here in Paris and I need to check out because I'm going home. I really doubt I'm going to get another one on the board either on the plane or like on my layover. So I think 22 is where we're going to cap it out. But how did I go? So she's attractive. I mean, it's not easy. It's not hard to understand. why. So is it attractive? Does it give you the ick? Does it give guys the ick if she says she's just slept with 22 people in the last 10 days? No. Precisely uh, opposite. Ew. No. Well, no, if I were single, I'd be like, hell yeah. I mean, obviously <laughs> I'd need a battery of uh, medicine. But, but I mean, like, that's, those are, that because those it's are big just numbers. such a short amount of time, yeah. right? It's in, you know, that's like more than two a day yeah you're talking about like these have to be in pretty quick succession i guess so i guess so, so. but i mean like it, i mean it doesn't make you uncomfortable remember that a Alice, girl was remember, with another guy like eight hours ago remember my first like girlfriend was prodigious who i've talked about her from alden mm -hmm. who had been with yep. more than half the population of that town um so there's it does something for me i i don't think it's good but it, it would be I just am grossed out, but well, that's good, Ellis. That you're grossed out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's yeah, it's good. Yeah, the it, the the high body count doesn't necessarily come with a keeper. <laughs> I know, but I just like I, 
I mean, uh, usually if she's attractive. If, if I was I mean, it just younger and like she were attractive and I wasn't married. Petri dish kind of situation. I'm. A, yeah, but you know, you know, it's worth it. <laughs> Is it worth it? I'm not sure. I don't see if anybody that attractive when I was 25 saying no would not be a situation that could occur. Would not be a situation that would occur. But then again, you married class, Alice, you know, if, if nothing else. All right. Um, what is the uh, hot sauce? It's the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hot Sauce. Uh, they bring us the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hotline where you can leave a chat chat message for the show. You guys haven't commented on my refresher of the website. I fixed some stuff that was falling okay. apart and bothering yes. me. But Validate okay. Alice, please. Yes, validate. Affirm her website. Hey, Tom, do hey. you consider uh, the film, uh, I guess it is a franchise, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Quattro the ones with uh, Sean William Scott and um, Eugene Levy and Jason Biggs. Uh, do you consider the American Pie Quattro a uh, funny film series? I I grew up watching those movies. Yeah. I seen the last one was the I think it was like their the high school reunion one in the theaters. But I have them all digitally and then a physical copy. I think they're pretty funny still, even though um, it's probably more my like, generation what? than Tom's. It was more your generation. So here's my uh, feeling I think on I American saw up Pie to, like, is the this, wedding one. That, um, I, I I can't get over in real life and like on social media what a total ass Jason Biggs is. So I hope that he gets run over by a truck. Um, I'd like Eugene Levy. It was a it was a time in comedies when it first came out when because of the Fairly Brothers comedies were shocking you, really right. shocking you. That girl who was in it, the like Italian girl who was in it, I had I had a subscription to Maxim Magazine, and she was in it. The girl who had phone sex, I think, on camera or something, and we did love her very much. So, I appreciate the naughtiness of the whole thing, um, but it but but you're right, it was a little too young for me. It was like I was doing other stuff when when that when that those things came out, and I hate Jason Biggs. In t- I want harm to happen to him. Um, you you would you like to? talk about it have you seen them did you like them? yeah i mean i think i saw up through like the wedding one it i mean i haven't i don't like have them on my rewatch i mean it's a total like in your day I, it's a total like bro high school well, dude yeah, it was thing like, to like well but everybody was kind of into it but that kind of humor was more yeah. popular then yeah. which it's like not really anymore um so I don't. I mean, like I say, it's not really like on my rewatch list. Like I wouldn't pull it out to watch it with the kids or anything, obviously. Yeah. But I, I mean, like they were fine at the time. I guess you know that. Like I say, that was very much my era. So those references were like everywhere, like all the one time at band yeah. camp stuff and like that. Yeah, just- yeah. I would I would say that this that um, I think the only thing I ever rewatch that I think is the best comedy ever done is Role Models from like 2010 whenever that's from with Paul Rudd and that guy from Sean William Scott or whatever um, so so that's where I am on that hi Phil here hey, but Phil, not Phil. Julie hey Phil like to know why would Tom and Alice make terrible parole officers hmm okay why would Tom and Alice make terrible pro- parole officers uh, they never let anyone finish a sentence. Ooh. Nicely done, Phil. Nicely done. Is that a homegrown joke? I appreciate that. It's also true. Hi, Steve from Merriman. Hey, Steve. Tom, yeah. why on earth 
would you show a movie that is a spoof of other movies no one else in your house has seen? Yeah, well. Uh, that one escapes me. Oh, hold on, Steve. Let me address this. The last time I had seen that was with my dad, I think, in like 1990 or whenever it came out. So I had forgotten a lot about it. I just knew and recalled that it was a spoof on Top Gun, which my kids have seen, my boys have seen. So I figured if it just sticks to Top Gun, they'll get it. I mean, it, it should be clear. Anytime you ask Alice on the show, like, hey, have you seen this? She automatically just goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's, yeah, but she's not funny. It's lost on her. That's not great. And uh, the the best hot shots though is part deer. Yeah, where Rambo, you know, Charlie Sheen's basically playing Rambo, and he's on the river, you know, going on his mission. Yes, and then at one point you start hearing the soundtrack from Apocalypse Now and narration by Martin Sheen, and they pass each other on the river and they each yell, "I loved you in Wall Street." Oh, that's great! Jesus, the best part of the, the I'll have to check that out I think I've saw I may have saw seen that a long time ago I will definitely check that out what a great scene see there's some really smart writing in these shots film series uh, and by the way speaking of uh, one of the best parts Valeria Galino is the girl who tells the uh, what do you do with an elephant with three balls joke yeah and in my opinion she is like the Daphne Zuniga uh, what Daphne Zuniga was to 80s movies Valeria Galino is to 90s movies, especially comedies. She's a very, very attractive girl and in her day. Yeah, she reminds me a little bit of Jennifer Grey. Five times. Wow. I'm sure it's the guy's fault. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thanks, Steve. Valeria Galino, Alice, like 58 it. years old, which I was about to think, like, wow, that's like, she's, that's a long time ago. That's, that's like. Your age. Yeah, it's my age. How the freak did this happen? Holy hell. This weekend, I'm going to turn the age that you were when I met you, which is old. Now you're going to see. Now you'll <laughs> see, like, wow, he was, like, that stupid this time. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, um, we will uh, see you tomorrow. I also be a noob report tonight if anybody wants to hang out with us, which is. <laughs> True. <laughs> Helping Oompa Loompas. Um, anyway, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. If you want to leave chat chat messages, go to burnbarrelpodcasts.com. If you want to join the Patreon where you can, uh, sign up to hear the show ad free, you can be in the live streams with us. You can get some free content each week. That's patreon.com slash burnbarrel. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.